0: Listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volume, over 2,500 page work by the Venerable Maria Vagrida. If you would like to discuss today's reading, head on over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to interact with other readers and followers and discuss what has impacted you from today's reading. I would like to share with you another review of the podcast. Coming today from G-K-M-C-I-N-G-V-A-L-E. It was left back on January 6th of 2022, titled, Finally, The City of God. After attempting to read The City of God multiple times, I finally think I have the solution. Listening to Father Looney read and discuss this book a little every day is the answer. I am so happy to find this podcast. The reading is short and easy to fit into my day. So thank you for your review, and if you would like to help share The Mystical City of God with others, one of the ways you can do that is by rating it and reviewing it on whatever platform you listen, because that will help it show up as a recommended podcast for other people, depending upon what they listen to as well. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria Vagrada. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaimed the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her holy example in life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate, teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sore Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 145, and today we are reading from chapter 6 of Volume 2, Book 4, and we will read paragraphs 428 to 437. Chapter 6. Some of the sayings and conversations of Most Holy Mary and Joseph regarding divine things, other wonderful events. 428. Before St. Joseph had been instructed in the mystery of the Incarnation, the princes of heaven made use of opportune occasions for reading to him some of the passages of Holy Scripture, especially from the prophets and the Psalms. As a most wise teacher, she also explained them to him, and her holy spouse, who is indeed capable of the exalted truths contained therein, asked her many questions, wondering at and consoling himself with the heavenly answers of his spouse, and thus both of them alternately praised and blessed the Lord. But after he had himself become instructed in the great sacrament, he conversed with our Queen, as with one who was herself to the coadjutrix of the admirable works and mysteries of our redemption. For now they could more openly and clearly discuss the divine prophecies and oracles concerning the conception of the word through a virgin mother, of his birth, his bringing up, and his most holy life. All these things Her Highness discussed and explained, delineating before him the course of action which they were to pursue, when the longed-for day of the birth of the child should have arrived, when she should hold him in her arms, nourish him at her breast with virginal milk, and when the holy spouse himself should share in this greatest of mortal blessedness, only of his passion and death, and of the sayings of Isaiah and Jeremiah. The most prudent queen spoke more rarely For as her spouse was of a most kind and tender heart, she thought it best not to dilate upon or anticipate that which he himself remembered of the sayings of the ancient writers concerning the coming and the sufferings of the Messiah. The most prudent virgin also waited until the Lord should grant more particular revelation of what was to happen, or until she herself would know better the divine will in this respect. 4.29 Her most faithful and blessed husband was wholly inflamed by her sweet words and conversations. And with tears of joy he said to the heavenly spouse, Is it possible that in thy most chaste arms I shall see my God and Redeemer, that I shall hear him speak and touch him, and that my eyes shall look upon his divine face, and that the sweat of my brow shall be so blessed as to be poured out in his service and for his sustenance? that he shall live with us, and that we shall eat with him at the same table, and that we shall speak and converse with him. Whence comes to me this good fortune which nobody can ever deserve? Oh, how much do I regret that I am so poor! Would I possessed the richest palaces for the entertainment and many treasures to offer him? And the sovereign queen answered, My master and spouse, there is abundant reason that thy desires extend to all things possible for the reception of thy Creator. But this great God and Lord does not wish to enter into the world in the pomp and ostentatious riches and royal majesty. He has need of none of these, Psalm 15, 2, nor does he come from heaven for such vanities. He comes to redeem the world and to guide men on the path of eternal life, John 10, 10. And this is to be done by means of humility and poverty, In these he wishes to be born, live and die, in order to destroy in the hearts of men the fetters of covetousness and pride, which keep them from blessedness. On this account he chose our poor and humble house, and desired us not to be rich in apparent deceitful and transitory goods, which are but vanity of vanities and affliction of spirit, Ecclesiastes 1.24, and which oppress and obscure the understanding. 4.30 At other times, the saint asked the Most Pure Lady to teach him the nature and essence of virtues, especially of the love of God, in order that he might know how to behave toward the Most High, become man, in order that he might not be rejected as a useless and incapable servant. The queen and teacher of virtues complied with these requests and explained to him the nature of true virtues and the manner of exercising them in all perfection. But in these discourses she proceeded with so much humility and discretion that she did not appear as the teacher of her spouse. Though such she was, but she managed to give her information under the guise of conversation or in addressing the Lord or at other times asking questions of St. Joseph, which of themselves suggested the information. In all circumstances, she knew how to preserve her most profound humility without permitting even the least gesture not in accordance with it. These alternate discourses or readings from the Holy Scriptures, they interrupted by manual labor, as occasion required. Not only was the hard and tiresome labor of St. Joseph lightened by the admirable words of sympathy of Our Lady, but in her rare discretion, she also knew how to add instruction, so that his manual labor became more an exercise of virtue than a work of the hands. The mildest dove, with the prudence of a most wise virgin, administered her consolations by pointing out the most blessed fruits of labor. In her estimation, she held herself unworthy of being supported by her spouse, and she felt herself in continual debt to the sweat of St. Joseph, as one who is receiving a great alms and a most generous gift. All these considerations caused in her sentiments of deepest obligation, as if she were the most useless creature on the earth. Therefore, though she could not assist the saint in his trade, since that was above the strength of women and unbecoming the modesty and retirement of the heavenly queen, yet in all that was befitting her, she served him as a humble handmaid, since her discreet humility and thankfulness would not suffer any less return of the faithful services of St. Joseph. 4.31 among other wonderful happenings in connection with his intercourse with Most Holy Mary during these days of her pregnancy, St. Joseph one day saw many birds flocking around her in order to pay their respect to the queen and mistress of all creatures. They surrounded her as if to form a choir, and raised up their voices in songs of sweet harmony, not less wonderful than their visit to the Heavenly Lady. St. Joseph had never seen this wonder until that day, and full of admiration and joy, he said to his sovereign spouse, Is it possible, my mistress, that these simple birds and irrational creatures should understand and fulfill their obligations better than I? Surely it is reasonable that if they recognize, serve, and reverence thee according to their powers, that thou allow me to perform that which in duty I am bound to do. The most pure virgin answered him, My master, In the behavior of these little birds, the Creator offers us a powerful motive, worthily to employ all our strength and faculties in His praise, just as they recognize and acknowledge their Creator in my womb. I, however, am but a creature, and therefore I deserve no veneration, nor is it right that I accept it. It is my duty to induce all creatures to the praise of the Most High, since He has looked upon me, His handmaid, and has enriched me with the treasures of the Divinity." 432. It happened also, not a few times, that the heavenly lady and her spouse found themselves so poor and destitute of means that they were in want of the necessities of life, for they were most liberal in their gifts to the poor, and they were never anxious to store up beforehand food or clothing, as is wont with the children of this world in their faint-hearted covetousness. Matthew 6.25. The Lord so disposed things that the faith and patience of his most holy mother and of St. Joseph should not be vain. For this indigence was a source of incomparable consolation to Our Lady, not only because of her love of poverty, but also on account of her astonishing humility. She considered herself unworthy of the sustenance of life, and that she above all others should suffer the want of it. Therefore she blessed the Lord for this poverty as far as it affected her, while well, she asked the Most High to supply the needs of St. Joseph, as being a just and holy man and well worthy of this favor of the Almighty. The Lord did not forget his poor entirely. Psalm 73.19 For while he permitted them to exercise virtues and gain merits, he also gave them nourishment in opportune time. Psalm 144.15 This his providence provided in various ways. Sometimes he moved the hearts of their neighbors and acquaintances to bring some gratuitous gift or pay some debt. At other times and more ordinarily, St. Elizabeth sent them assistance from her home. Forever, since she had harbored in her house the Queen of Heaven, this devoted matron insisted on sending them a gift from time to time, which the humble princess always acknowledged by sending in return some work of her hands. On some occasions, for the greater glory of the Most High, the Blessed Lady availed herself of the power given to her as the mistress of all creation. Then she would command the birds of the air to bring some fishes from the sea or fruits of the field, and they would fulfill her commands to the point. Sometimes they would bring also bread in their beaks, which the Lord had furnished them. Many times, the most fortunate spouse, St. Joseph, was a witness to all these happenings. 4.33 Also in other necessities, they were, on some occasions, succored by the holy angels in an admirable manner, in order properly to understand some of the great miracles which happened through the ministry of the angels to most holy Mary and Joseph, It is necessary to take into account the magnanimity and generous faith of the saint. For these virtues were so great in him that not even the shadow of covetousness or greediness could find entrance into his soul. Although he labored for others, as did also his heavenly spouse, yet never did they ask for any wages or set a price on their work, asking payment therefor. They performed all their work, not for gain, but in obedience to a request or for charity, leaving the payment of wages entirely in the hands of their employers and accepting it not as a just return for their labors, but as a freely given alms. This is the perfection of sanctity, which St. Joseph learnt from the heavenly example given to him in his house by the Most Holy Virgin, owing to this circumstance that he was not paid for his work. It happened sometimes that they were in total want of food and sustenance until the Lord would provide for them. One day it came to pass that the hour set for their meal passed without their having anything in the house to eat. They persevered in prayer until very late, giving thanks to the Lord for this privation and hoping that he would open his all-powerful hand. Psalm 144.16. In the meanwhile, the holy angels prepared the meal and placed upon the table some fruit and whitest bread and fishes, also especially a sort of Preserve or jelly, or a wonderful and nourishing sweetness. Then some of the angels went to call their queen, and others called Saint Joseph her spouse. Each came forth from their separate retirement, and perceiving the regalement provided by heaven, they thanked the Most High in tears of fervent gratitude, and partook of the food, and afterwards they broke out in exalted songs of praise of the Almighty. 434. Many other similar events came to pass almost daily in the house of Most Holy Mary and her spouse. For as they were alone, and as there was no need of hiding these wonders from witnesses, the Lord did not hesitate to perform them for his beloved, who were entrusted with cooperation in the most wonderful of all the works of his powerful arm. I wish merely to remark that when I say Mary sang canticles of praise, either she by herself or in the company with St. Joseph or the holy angels, New songs are meant, such as Saint Anne sang the mother of Samuel, or Moses, Ezekiel, and other prophets, when they were visited by great blessings of the Lord. If all the canticles, Kings 2 1, Deuteronomy 32 1, etc., which the Queen of Heaven composed and sang, would have been recorded, there would be a large volume of them, the contents of which would excite unheard of wonder in the world teaching vouchsafed me by the same queen and lady. 435. Much beloved daughter, I wish that the science of the Lord be many times renewed in thee, and that thou acquire the knowledge of the voice, wisdom, 1-7, so that thou mayest know, and let also mortals know, the dangerous deceit and perverse estimation in which they as lovers of falsehood hold the temporal and visible goods. Psalm 4-4. How many men are not fascinated by their unbounded greed? All of them ordinarily stake their hopes on gold and material riches, and in order to increase them they exert all the forces of their natural being. Thus they spend all the time of their life which was given them in order to gain eternal rest and happiness in these vanities. They lose themselves in these dark labyrinths and mazes as if they knew nothing of God and of his providence, For they do not think of asking him for that which they desire, and do not moderate their desires in such a way as will dispose them to ask and hope for what they desire at his hands. Thus they lose all, because they confide in the lying and deceitful prospects of their own efforts. This blind greed is the root of all evils. 1 Timothy 6.20 For the Lord incensed at such great perversity permits the mortals to be entangled in the vile slavery of avarice, in which their understanding is darkened and their will hardened. Soon the Most High, for greater punishment, withdraws his kindly care as from creatures, so detestable, and denies them his paternal protection, thus letting them fall into what is the deepest misfortune that can befall man in this life. 4.36 4.36 Although it is true that nothing can hide itself from the eyes of the Lord, Psalm one thirty-eight six, Yet when the transgressors and enemies of his law offend him, they forfeit the kind of attention and care of his providence and are left to their own desires, Psalm 80.13. They ceased to experience the paternal foresight shown toward those who trust in the Lord. Those that confide in their own efforts, and in the gold which they can touch and feel, will reap the fruit of their hopes. But just as far as the divine essence and power is distant from the lowliness and limitation of mortals, so far also the results of human covetousness are distant from the help and the protection of eternal providence, shown to the humble who trust in it. Psalm 1731 Upon these His Majesty looks with kindness love, delights in them, nourishes them at His breast, attends to their wishes and wants. I and my holy spouse Joseph were poor, and at times we suffered great wants, but none of them were powerful enough to engender within our hearts the contagion of avarice. We concerned ourselves entirely with the glory of the Most High, relying wholly on his most faithful and tender care. This was what pleased him so much as thou hast understood and written, since he supplied our wants in various manners." even commanding the angels to help us and prepare for us our nourishment. 4.37 I do not wish to say that the mortal should yield to laziness and negligence. On the contrary, it is just that all should labor. Psalm forty-eight seven. And doing nothing is also a great and a very reprehensible fault. Neither leisure nor solicitude must be disorderly, nor should the creature trust in his own strength Nor should he smother the divine love in anxiety, nor seek more than is necessary for a temperate life. Neither should he fear that the divine providence will fail to supply what is necessary. Nor should he be troubled or lose hope when the Creator seems to delay his assistance. In the same way, he that is in abundance should not, Ecclesiastes 31.8, lay aside all exertion, and forget that he is a man subject to labor and travail. Thus riches as well as poverty must be attributed to God and made use of in a holy and legitimate way for the glory of the Creator and Ruler of all things. If men would observe this rule of action, nobody would be without the assistance of the Lord, who is a true father, and neither would the poor be led into sin by poverty, nor the rich by prosperity. Of thee, my daughter, I require the practice of these rules, and through thee I wish to inculcate them on mortals. Thou must especially impress this doctrine upon all thy subjects, telling them not to be troubled or faint-hearted because of the wants they suffer, nor inordinately solicitous because of their eating or clothing, Matthew 6.25, but that they confide in the Most High and in His providence. For if they correspond to His love, I assure them that they shall never suffer from the want of what is necessary. Exhort them also to let their words and conversations continually turn about holy and divine things, engaging in the praise and exaltation of the Lord according to the teachings of the Bible and holy writings. Let their conversations be in heaven, with the Most High, and with me, who am their mother and superior, and let it be with the angels imitating them in holy love. This concludes our reading today for day number 145. We read from chapter 6, paragraphs 428 of 437, from volume 2, book 4. In today's reading, St. Joseph is beginning to grasp with some understanding the great magnitude of what is going to happen. He says... Is it possible that in my most chaste arms I shall see my God and Redeemer, that I shall hear him speak and touch him, and that my eyes shall look upon his divine face, and that the sweat of my brow shall be so blessed as to be poured out in the service for his sustenance, that, we sh- that he shall live with us, and that we shall eat with him at the same table, and what we shall speak and converse with him? Whence comes to me this good fortune, which nobody can ever deserve? So he's beginning to grasp the reality that God is going to make his home with him. That he's going to provide food for the Son of God. That he's going to dine with the Son of God. That he's going to teach the Son of God. That he is going to listen to what this child teaches him. St. Joseph also asks the Blessed Virgin Mary to teach him the nature and essence of virtue. So he recognizes that in her, she encompasses all the virtues that he wishes to strive for. In one of the litany prayers of St. Joseph, the invocation, it says model of poverty. And so we hear today about the poverty of that home of Nazareth, how sometimes they didn't have food to put on their table but he persevered in prayer with his spouse, and God provided for them. You might fall upon hard times in your own life, but know that you shouldn't give up on God. Continue to turn to the Lord, and then see how the Christian community wants to help you and wants to provide for you. Even in their poverty, though, the Holy Family wanted to assist the poor. Our Lady had a great love for the poor, and they helped them as much as they were able to. And finally, we heard something very beautiful today, too. Talked about the different songs or canticles of praise that she herself or in the company with St. Joseph or the holy angels that they sang. And then it says, If all the canticles which the Queen of Heaven composed and sang would have been recorded, there would be a large volume of them, and the contents of which would excite unheard of wonder in this world. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew the songs that Mary sang? Yes, we know that she sang the great Magnificat. But what other hymns or canticles did she sing? And maybe we could even think about What lullabies did the Mother of God sing to the child Jesus? These are things that really can enrich our own prayer and our own meditation. Maybe closing our eyes and hearing the Blessed Virgin Mary sing to the child Jesus. Or maybe hearing Mary sing to us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow.